G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Welcome into the Bears and Izzy for Breakfast podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for tuning in. A lovely Thursday in the seat filling in for Izzy Bears. We've had some outstanding guests today, including David Choate talking all whites. Yeah, David was outstanding, as she to talk to, and the Ollie Whites have had success overnight. Well, they didn't have success. It was nil all draw against Romania, <laughs> but what that does, it gives them... An opportunity to uh, to take on Japan in the next round, and it's it's quite a remarkable result, really. A little bit of redemption in there as well for Michael Vald. Is that Vald? I yeah. think how you say it. He yeah. was brilliant, brilliant in goal overnight after a tough last game. So it was great to hear from David David Choate, and then all, and then we spoke to Scott Waldrum as well around the New Zealand seven side who fell agonisingly short of gold, where they were just. You know, I, I don't want to use the term outpassioned because I believe New Zealand's got a immense amount of passion too. But Fiji, it was bigger than rugby last night for Fiji. And they found a performance which which was able to catapult them towards the gold and give their people who are going through an incredibly difficult time something to really celebrate and, and grab a hold of. So it was great to hear from Scott Waldrum too. Definitely was. Uh, Jamie Gull, a sister of Kerry Gull, what a story. You, you picked up an interview at the pub, which I love. This is the, the testament to your work ethic, always hustling even with a pint in hand. That was fantastic. But highlight of the show for me, Stephen Fleming, your skipper. And, um, man, he was enlightening. Yeah, I knew Fleming would be great too. Like, it's just The key with um, speaking of Fleming is he's got so much wisdom, so much knowledge, and and I think because he was he was New Zealand captain for a long time, he's he's often very guarded about what he lets lets out and, and what he what he allows people to um, to see from him. But when you get him talking, you just there's just an infinite amount of wisdom in there from Flemo, and it was great to hear him in a, in a really low key manner and, and having a laugh and a joke. So it won't be the last time we get Stephen Fleming on, and also Mark Chittick was outstanding. The best horse farmer in the Southern Hemisphere. It was great to hear from him too. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Bears Izzy podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Do it all again. Kia ora and morena to all of Aotearoa. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. We are by Kiwis and we are for Kiwis. It's Thursday, the 29th of July. And we're just after 6am in the morning. It's a privilege to spend the morning with you all. Today we're going to chat all things sport, including the Olympics. We're going to talk some soccer. We're going to talk some sevens. We're going to talk some rowing. And we're going to talk to a couple of old pals as well, myself. We've got Stephen Fleming. We've got Mark Chittick. We've got Jamie Gallagher, Scott Waldrum. And we've got David Choate on our airways. Today is a very... Good morning to one of our key men in Louis Herman Watt, who is standing in for Izzy Dag, who is still celebrating the life of his mum, who unfortunately passed away over the weekend and is spending some time with his whānau. Good morning, Louis. I still think about how Brian Stronach said uh, imposter syndrome the other day, talking about himself, and here I am filling in for Izzy Dag. That's um, 
It's been occupying my mind a wee bit over the last couple of days, Baz. Good morning to you. Good morning to everybody out there. It's uh, another fine day as the Olympics roll on and we are fully engrossed in it, aren't we? We certainly are. And it was good. It was Well, it was fun overnight, wasn't it? Obviously, the Sevens boys didn't get the job done, but that's a great story in itself, isn't it? Everything that that Fiji, the country of Fiji, are battling and and for them to be able to stand up on the biggest stage and to, to give them something, just a little bit of hope to, to grab onto um, was just magnificent story. So well, that country, Fiji, is doing it so tough right now and, and hopefully that brought at least a, a glimmer of hope or smiles to the faces of the people in Fiji. Yeah, fully. It's, it's tough times out there for well, for Fiji and Australia as well. COVID's kind of had a bit of a resurgence with the Delta variant, hasn't it? So um, in a weird way, we, we spoke a lot about the Olympics, whether they should or shouldn't go ahead, didn't we? And now the Olympics, the sport started happening. I'm kind of really glad it is. And I wonder if that's like a mentality shift or if that's just... Have you thought about that at all? Um, look, I still... I'm still not certain we'll reach the closing ceremony. Um, I still think there's a little bit of risk still on the table. Um, but without doubt, sport does give some people the ability to, to grab onto something, isn't it? And in difficult times, that can certainly be a great outlet. And, and I guess you will focus on that rather than the the um, some of the challenges involved in COVID itself. I just want to focus on one thing. Um, Louis, which I picked up in Trudy's um, news bulletin there. The MIQ bill check situation. Yeah. So $40 million still owed from outstanding MIQ bills. I'm not sure I've paid my bill yet. So I might need to uh, I might need to just follow up on that. I'd hate to be pulling one, pulling one over the government. <laughs> well, the debt collectors, you're on... What we you're a matter matter the debt collectors will be coming out. I don't know what sort of debt collectors they are a matter matter, but they're they're sending the heavies out. So you better pay up, buddy. Well, well when they come out, I'll send them down to Ronnie's cafe for a mince and cheese pie because that's clearly a significant winner on uh, on the New Zealand pie list. Did you get one? Which I went to go to yesterday. I went there. The queue was too big. So the news is out. The news is out that Ronnie's Cafe in Matamata does the best mince and cheese pie <laughs> in New Zealand for 2021. So I had a conversation with some of my mates around Matamata yesterday. And some of them question whether it's even the best in Matamata, let alone the country. So <laughs> oh. there we go. You can't please everyone, can you? There's always haters, the Ronnie. Rules and that's right. But they, they stand at the very top of the, the mountain when it comes to mince and cheese pies in our wonderful country that is New Zealand. Louis? So you, yesterday there was a few things you were going to do after the show, including, um, <laughs> well, mince and cheese pie was one of them, so you didn't do that. You had a horse yeah. racing at Cambridge for Alamode, which actually got up for a lovely, it ran a nice second, didn't it? I thought it went huge, actually. At odds of $17 and $4 a place you could get if you are shopping at the TAB. Um, I thought it went absolutely massive. So Marshy, Stephen Marsh, was on with us yesterday, tipped us into, he said Alamode would run well. Now, $4 a place is, in my mind, running very, very well. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm a place punter, in case you're wondering. <laughs> sort of against my kind of 
type of personality. But anyway, digress. And then Raggedy Doll also paid good money in the first, which uh, Marshy tipped out too. So, yeah, you just got to be tuning in, don't you, to be able to make a quid. He actually had another winner at odds on the day as well. And then Reposa Repeater, the one that we all kind of thought was... Darcy Palmer. Darcy Palmer. Sorry, not Reposa yeah. Repeater. Darcy Palmer was... You're, uh, meant, you're meant to be the racing expert too. Sorry, there's just so many of them. The names all get mixed up. <laughs> he's got he's got about a million horses. Um, and it, they actually didn't even run the top two. But that's all right. And then, so that was in Cambridge, which you were going to Cambridge to get some... Well, you were going for a beer and you were going to pick up some sort of fertiliser or something, was it? No. So, <laughs> uh, so I was going to pick up some ready lawn, right? Ready so lawn. I was a bit lazy, So, which is a very sort of more of a Parnell way of farming, right? <laughs> um, so I went, to get, I, went to get some, I went to get some ready lawn. In Parnell, we got no uh, lawn space to put ready lawn down. <laughs> That's true, actually. <laughs> so... I went to get some ready lawn from over Cambridge Way, and then I was hoping to slide into the races, watch Alamode, and have a quiet beer with, with Marshy and a few others over there. But I got waylaid, and I ended up having a beer at, um, at a restaurant over there, and then didn't make it to the races, unfortunately. Um, but then I managed to get home, so I came back, bought the ready lawn back, and then it was too late in the afternoon to start laying ready lawn, so that's a job for today. I hope, hopefully it'll last overnight. Um, but then I went to the pub here. And when I went to the pub, amazing what happens when I, you go to the pub. I so, ran into <laughs> someone who's going to be one of our guests today, who it was actually is Kerry Gowler's sister, Jamie. So, and, and also Jackie Gowler as well is, is also at the Olympics. So I ran into Jamie at the pub, and, I, and she was there watching her sister and Grace Prendergast um, qualify for... Um, the Piers final, which is on today at, at 12.30 in the rowing. And so I said, well, why don't you come on the show? Why don't you come on tomorrow morning? And so she said, okay, no worries. So she's going to be on later on. She also happens to be the yearling manager at Waikato Stud, and we're going to have the principal of Waikato Stud on later on as well, Mark Chittick. But so my point being, the work that I'm doing for this show, off hours, <laughs> oh, is quite up. extraordinary. Turn and it I, I want to I, I pose the question that should the work that I'm doing qualify me for an expense card via Hutchie to recruit guests <laughs> and talent for this show? That, Why not? That, I mean... Look, Trudy approves. She uh, knows I'm a generous man too. South Yarra has just absolutely—it's just gone off right there. They can't believe it. Um, That's—I mean—that's cheeky, isn't it? You've—you've you've jacked up. I mean, you are kind of acting like the EP of the show, just going around picking guests up at the pub, which I don't mind at all. I just—I just want to backtrack a little bit though. So you didn't have enough time in the day to re- to lay your ready lawn, which is designed to be laid yeah. straight away. But you did have enough time in the day to go to the pub and and drink a couple beers and find a guest for the show. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven or text us on double eight double three. Should Baz get a SCNZ credit card from Hutchie? Thank you. That would be great. Please let me know your thoughts. We could get enough numbers, and I'm sure we can get something strong. Correct. No, I didn't. Um, I didn't have time to lay my ready lawn because that would have taken a lot, like at least say two and a half hours, three hours, right? 
Yeah. And so there's no point in starting something if you're not going to finish it. Whereas mm-hmm. the pub was only going to take an hour. Mm. So I had an hour up my sleeve. I didn't have two and a half, three. No, it makes perfect sense. Actually, if you ever needed yeah, and it. I prioritised I prioritized Baz and Izzy for breakfast and SCNZ over my own lawn. Well, you've got three kids, don't you? Isn't that what children are for? Lawns? What, laying the lawn? Well, mowing the lawn, laying the lawn. Yeah, you'd be putting them to work, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, have you met this, this the next generation? <laughs> uh, I wish. I wish. No, Riley's over at school, over at Cambridge. He goes to school over there. He boards during the week and then comes home on the weekends. So he's out. Um, Maya had uh, dance or something. Dance, gymnastics or dance or something. So she was out. And um, what was Evie doing? Uh, oh, she had something on. At too, the so. pub. No, they were, they were busy. <laughs> <laughs> she will be the type that goes to the pub too. She's right out of, right out of my sort of, my upbringing, so she's going to be good fun. That's outstanding. I, I love, if you ever wanted a a classic case of how small is New Zealand, well, today on the show, about half the guests are from Matamata. You've met half of them at the <laughs> pub, and they all work for it with each other as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just got to make sure you're knocking around in the right circles, you know? They, what do they say? Keep yourself in the best company and keep your horses in the worst. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that is true. Yeah, what about you, Louis? Enough about me. What did you get up to yesterday? I actually I actually had a great day yesterday. I, I've been loving the... My schedule has just been fantastic this week with the Olympics on. We're into a bit of routine. That's always the thing with breakfast radio. You just want to get yourself into routine. So getting out the gate, getting that back to home just after midday, chucking the Olympics on for a couple of hours. Absolutely loved the Sevens. I thought this, the, the, the All Black Sevens performance in the semi-final yesterday against Great Britain was one of the most clinical sporting kind of um, pieces of work I'd seen all year. They just went side to side. The, the, the opening sequence, they held the ball for about three or four minutes. Side to side, no handling areas in, the, in that hot, sweaty, kind of humid Tokyo air. And they were just dominating the breakdown. Great Britain couldn't get near them. And I just thought it was fantastic viewing. Then even Argentina gave Fiji a little bit of a go and, until Fiji really put their foot down. But um, that the, the Olympics, I've got a question probably more for after the break. When do we start running a medal tally? Is it when you can't remember how many you've got? Or is it is it a thing you do from day one? Because I see the, all the news networks are already you know, running their medal tallies, but there's only three medals, so it's not that hard to keep up with. <laughs> it's still early though, isn't it? And we've got some middle chances today, obviously. Um, so maybe maybe from today is a good time to start start judging our medals. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Actually. What about hey the other thing? You're right about the New Zealand performance in that semi-final, but what about the tactics of Fiji in the final? So their short kickoff and their ability to uh, get that ball back initially and put us under immense mm-hmm. pressure right from the get-go, score those two tries. They kind of rocked us tactically and. And and maybe our final we had played our final in the semi, and that's probably a question to to ask Scott Waldron when he comes back on um, a little bit later on. Well, it kind after, of uh, kind of feels like control position at that level of sevens control the game, right? You can't if you bleed the opposition of possession, they can't. They literally cannot win, and that's what happened to. Um, 
the great British side in the semi-finals and a little bit to the All Black Sevens team in the final. The rowing's been fascinating, Baz. I, I can't work out whether it's the camera angles at the rowing or the commentators don't really know who's in front, but they can never actually quite tell you. They always kind of are just kind of guessing. And then, then you know, then when they actually hit the line, it's kind of like, oh, I think they've come here. I don't know if it's they, they've quite got the camera angles right. And then I saw the replay of everyone when the Swindells won gold the second time. And it was that photo finish, heads up, heads down kind of situation. That, that was brilliant. That was better than any close horse race I've ever finished. And we actually had to go to the photo and get the binoculars out and, and magnifying glass and zoom right in. So I'm loving the rowing. I just wish I could tell who was actually leading and who was winning. Yeah, that's a bit of a gripe of mine at the moment as well. I don't think some of the, the graph, well, not the graphics, but I don't think some of the angles and maybe maybe with COVID it's, it's difficult to get the best camera cameraman or woman as well and and some of the but even the the hockey the other day they go to that review system and it's very difficult to even see what they're reviewing a lot of the time it's it proves to be um what, what do they call it uh, they can't make a decision based on yeah right the footage that i've got so for 2021 it just doesn't quite seem as sharp all of that stuff is is what we used to but hey there's still sport going on right that's got to be a, a real, real positive. It gives us something to get in behind. Yeah, well, don't don't get me started on the nauseating spider cam though. I feel like I'm carsick watching the sevens at the moment. Like it's you can't you can't the, he's this, whoever the director is, he's going trigger happy on the spider cam. So I just want to see where they're on the field and just kind of watch it normally. Uh, hi, Louie and Baz. You may remember the text from yesterday. Hi guys, best each way bet today at Cambridge Race Two Number Four. Tell me something, boy. Get on, yeah, boys. Cheers, Jason. Well done, Jason. Sing when you. What did get? Win. What did tell me something, boy? Get on. Uh, what did it pay? I'm not sure. We can go and find out. We will go and have a look. Double eight, double three. Do you broadcast mid midweek racing? We don't broadcast midweek racing, but you'll find plenty of chat about it here. On SCNZ, especially Baz and Izzy for breakfast. We love our racing. Double eight, double three. What sport are you loving the most at the Olympics so far? We're all experts at this time of year. Get in touch. It's kind of really, I feel like there's a bit of momentum behind the games now and we're really getting knee deep into it. Three medals on the board and some more to come later on today for sure. It's Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. 24 minutes past six, Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Call any time on the Kennards Hire phone line, 0800 150 811. Please, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Double eight, double three. there's a text there. Lads, what about the tennis boys' huge effort? Tim, thank you, Tim. That was a massive effort from then. We'll cover that in a second. Baz, the other one that really kicked off after we left the program yesterday was Simone Biles with news continuing to trickle out through the day. Yeah, it did. We, we chatted about it yesterday morning and I obviously, I went on the charge about it as well. But now that we've had a bit of time to think, now all of us have had a bit of time to think as well, I'd love to hear from you guys what where you stand on it. Do you, do you think that what she did was courageous was it the watershed moment in top level sport that some have been referring to um as paul pogba said he said it was a moment of undeniable strength and she put mental health above her an appearance of invincibility or was it more weak as some people have perceived it 
I know where I stand on it. I'll be interested to see where you guys stand. So give us a call on 0800 150 811 or a text on double eight double three and let us know your thoughts. I um as I kind of let it wash over me, and I definitely am a bit like this sometimes, you, you kind of have to process something, but you don't fully. I saw some pretty nasty things yesterday being said about her, and it kind of it got to me a little bit because the more I thought about it, I thought, good on her. She stayed and cheered on her team, Baz. She was there in the stadium. She fronted and afterwards and explained why she felt the way she felt and explained her decisions where, you know, a lot of people in those situations probably go into her shell. I thought she did it all very considerably. And, and the whole time she was very respectful about the Olympics, about the occasion, about her teammates. And the more I thought about it, I felt quite a wee bit gross about the kind of patriotic American fans and the other people. And a lot of the time they were punters, you know, like punters as in sports fans that were getting into her saying, how dare you, how dare you? But... I don't know. Just it, for me, it didn't really sit well. The criticism. Yeah, and I was pretty strong in my my belief of, about it. I yeah. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to try and change other people's opinions. I want to hear from you guys and give us your sentiments around it. Um, but it's definitely turned into a huge issue. We we talked about it yesterday morning at twenty past seven, and I think it led the news last night. It's sort of it's become a, a major issue. So. Yeah, we'll give ourselves a little pat on the back for our ability to see a story before it, eh, Louis? Yes, got you had your eye in very, very <laughs> early yesterday, mate. Well done. Even R- Ronda Rousey, she got involved. Everyone judging Simone Biles doesn't know their foot from their backside when it comes to being in her position. She's Olympic team while you're on Twitter. Whatever is going on can't be grasped from the outside. She's doing the absolute best she can given the situation. I think it sums it up beautifully, to be honest. Um, I think it's hard to hard in these situations to, to understand what's actually going on, so just a little bit of kindness is kind of the approach I tend to take. But the text, double eight double three, we've had a great message about the, the tennis lads, Baz, and weren't they up and about? They were. They were brilliant, I thought. Jeepers, they, they were really... Over celebrating too, similar to you in the pub when you've got a $4 <laughs> shot hit the front. But good on them, you know, like they obviously qualified for that last while. They, they got through after that walkover with the COVID situation. And and that, that performance yesterday was, was real quality. And they had to, they had to really find some in the tricky moments too. And their last shot was a beauty, just the deft touch oh, yeah. when the pressure was on. So yeah, look, I think, so who do they um, who are they going to play in the in the next round? Either what is it they've got? Um, they um, have the name escape the country escapes me. One of the lads out the back will figure that one out for us. Um, that I thought I think you're right because as, as a bit of a amateur social tennis player yourself, Baz, you can appreciate coming forward at the net on the volley when it's coming at you. It's that's not an easy shot to make that last one that they put up the line. That was that was something. We we don't tend to have too many of those shots in our in our tennis, so we sort of there's a lot more mistakes than there is winners, unfortunately. But yeah, I thought it was great. I enjoy watching. I love watching tennis too, Louis. I think good tennis is it's a cracking game to watch. And um, yeah, I wish Michael Venus and Marcus Daniel all the very best if they could win that next game. Oh, they're a real real big chance, aren't they? So that'd be that's, huge. That's the beauty of the Olympics. I mean, there would have been no chance when you're at the start, right? 
they wouldn't have been ranked anywhere near the the, the medals, but they just find a way to give themselves every opportunity. Love to see it, don't we? Uh, and Croatia, I believe, is who we are playing next. So that's fantastic. We're right up there with the some of those big tennising nations. Tennising, that's a good word for you. Morning, gents. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this, the swimming and water polo and in the Olympics. Cheers, Brendan of Masters. And I haven't really watched much of the water polo, but the swimming. Australia has been going very well. Uh, that Titmus knocked off Ledecky again yesterday in the 200. So more celebrations from that fantastic coach, just like Baz when he's... You know, scored a big century, David Warnering it, kissing the badge, all of that stuff. Uh, mm. We do yep, love it. Pairs <laughs> it is for breakfast. Lewis Clearbert. Yes. Lewis Clearbert as well. Talk about him shortly. We will. But next it's Trudy with the news. Thanks to Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. 17 and a half away from 7 o'clock. Uh, Quizzy Dag coming up very shortly. 0800 150 811. Get in touch. But just quickly, the texts on Simone Biles haven't stopped. You've just you've thought about it overnight and you've got an opinion this morning, which we absolutely love, Baz. Yep. There's a text here from Rob. Having different opinions on that issue is good, healthy even. As long as we can do that respectfully and actually listen, that is where we struggle currently. That's from Rob. That's very thoughtful text for 6.43am, Rob. Agree with you. And then we've got one here from Richie. The Simone Biles thing is a hard one because she's obviously been physically and mentally able previously. It's just this is not her time, probably for a number of reasons. One which is obviously COVID and it's associated bubbles. Hopefully she can get back to, be, back to her best because the things she has done previously are amazing. Thank you, Richie. So two very, very... Thoughtful and uh, and accurate text messages there, especially for early in the morning. That's great, Louis. It's very balanced. We love that. At 17 minutes away from seven. It's Quizzy Dag. A quiz for the ages to prove yourself. The quiz master, the is master, stay with me. Oh, this might be an absolute disaster. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, if you think you got what it takes, give us a call on 0800 150 <laughs> Oh, that is brilliant. Gee, we miss Izzy, don't we? Izzy will be back next week. Oh, what, I love it too. On our, on our screens, we've got a little camera where we can see the boys out the back, Karen and... And they're just dancing, they're bopping around to that tune of, of Izzy's little rap there. So that's brilliant. Anyway, we digress. We have, who is on the phone for us there, Louis? Brenton, morning. I see on my screen. Brenton, morning. Brenton's on morning, the phone. Morning. Right, Brenton, are you ready? I'm going to rip straight into it, mate. You ready to roll? Yeah, mate. Yeah, man. Right, Ro- Rowers, Brooke, Donahue and Hannah Osborne won our first silver medal yesterday in which boat? A rowboat? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to give you that on humour, but I can't. Sorry, thank you, Brenton. Oh, right. Well, let's try Tim. Tim, rowers Brooke Donahue and Hannah Osborne won our first silver medal yesterday in which boat? 
Double skulls. Good start, Tim. Good start. Roger Tuivasa-Shek will be joining which provincial rugby union side earlier than expected? Auckland. Good work. Kiwi soccer slash football. The round ball, the beautiful game they call it. Legend Ryan Nelson played 172 games in the English Premier League for which team? Blackburn Rovers. You're on fire, Tim. Which Olympic sport did USA star Simone Bowles withdraw from yesterday? Gymnastics. Well, and for the money, for that $329 temper pillow, Tim, New Zealand's famous golden hour in the Rome 1960 Olympics featured Peter Snell and which other New Zealand athlete? Uh, Murray Halberg. Oh, outstanding. Well done, Tim. That temper pillow is coming your way. You have aced the quiz this morning on the quizzy dag. Well Cheers, done. Man. Thanks a lot. Wow, that was Yo. that was sensational quizzing from Tim there. That was impressive. That Louis thought maybe he got the vibe from Karen and Joe as well. He just that vibe just permeated its way through <laughs> the line and and just just brought sense of clarity, and intelligence, and sporting knowledge straight to Tim. Yeah. Well done, you guys are inspirational. Beware your quizzes. That's what Tim was telling himself there, and he just absolutely delivered. Well done, Tim, and thank you to Temper for that $329 Temper pillow. Very good night's sleep on one of those. It's Baz and Izzy for breakfast, 13 minutes away from 7. After this, it's David Choate. Oh, David Choate, one of the most passionate football men in the country. As we talk, the Ollie Whites, who are through for the first time to the playoff stage at the Olympics. Well done, the Ollie Whites. We talk to David Choate after this. Seven and a half away from seven o'clock and Trudy with the news. Well, the, the Olympics, it's been gripping. We've had a lot of success. Last night, the, the men's tennis team, they had a little bit of over-celebration about them as they kind of progressed through to the <laughs> semifinals against Croatia. But then the the Ollie Whites, well, they probably won up them. Baz, a great effort as they make the knockout stage for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Nil all draw last night against Romania, which means it puts them on a collision course for either Japan, France or Mexico, which will mean they'll only one win away from competing for a medal. So that's quite incredible. And they've, they've really captured the imagination of New Zealand as well with some of their performances. And we've got David Choate on the phone, and he's a former all-white and football commentator. He's a massive supporter of the beautiful game, and he is a world-class fan of flying Kiwis. Good morning, David. Yeah, quite right. Uh, football tragic, you could say. Uh, loved watching last night. Loved watching uh, the Olympics in general. But the uh, the Ollie Whites have uh, entered uncharted territory. And uh, I think we can lock in Japan. They got three wins in their group, so they played Japan the hosts, which will be a huge ask in the quarterfinals. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, thanks for joining us on Baz and Izzy for breakfast as well, David. That's good news. So we play in Japan. There's going to be plenty on that game. Just about last night, what did you make of last night's nil all draw against Romania? thought it was a really controlled performance. Uh, the All-Whites, uh, and you don't say this often, All-White teams, New Zealand teams, dominated possession against a European country which has football running through its veins in Romania. Um, they were in control of the match for uh, most of it, as I say, with the domination of possession. Didn't throw up too many chances, conceded a few. Uh, it was... Uh, 
it was a great result for them. And uh, as the game wound out, they knew they were qualifying. Romania got us in the double scales yesterday, but we got them back with a nil draw. Nothing more, nothing better than a nil draw that gets you through. Love that, Choti. Talk to us about Chris Wood. Enlighten the uninitiated, very much myself, about what he is doing, just his presence on the field and having him in this camp. How special is he? He's very special for me. Um, so often players make their uh, big break in football and uh, their national side gets left behind. But Chris Wood, at every occasion, makes himself available for New Zealand. He is their overage player at 29. He's uh, right in the prime. Uh, we've seen in the first two games him taking two chances. He does make a difference to them up top. He's the kind of player that only needs to see a sight of goal, uh, a smell of a chance, and he, and he finishes. He's so influential both on the pitch, but I understand off the pitch as well. He's sort of the consummate pro. He's a real Kiwi who takes pride in wearing the fern, which is uh, unique in some ways once as if people crack it overseas. He's a real star for this team, and Danny Hay leans on him hugely in terms of on-field leadership. So you make the good point that he is the overage player, so it is an under-23 comp, isn't it? What is it about this generation of footballers? Is it just luck that they've kind of got to this stage, or is there a different generation coming through, Chody? Yeah, absolutely not luck. Um, what you're seeing now, I think, with this group of players and a, another series of players to come, uh, we've become competitive at 17s and at 20s. We had World Cups, we've got out of group play. We're now competitive at the Olympic game. But I think this is really the benefits of the academies that have uh, sprung up over the last sort of 10 years in football. Both the Phoenix Academy and the Ole Academy in Wellington, which I'm aware of, have seeded a lot of these players. Um, I think it's uh, a dawning of a new age for New Zealand football in terms of technical ability to play the game. All of these guys are talented with the, the ball at feet, and that's not always been the case. We've always been competitive and hard to beat, but now we're becoming a side that actually plays the beautiful game as it should be with the ball on the ground and a passing dominance of possession to build chances for you. So I think uh, not luck. Uh, it is uh, the result of lots of hard work by lots of people. Well, not just uh, talented with ball at feet, but also ball in hand when it comes to goalkeeping. Now, a man who copped a little bit of criticism um, in the previous game uh, for a couple of mistakes was Michael, and I hope I pronounced this right, Wood, is that right, Michael Wood? And he and he, um, he obviously copped a little bit of criticism. Well, he had a bounce-back performance last night, real redemption in, in his performance to be able to ensure that it was a clean sheet. Must be, it must have been impressed with that. Yeah, I was, and uh, I don't know if you noted, but straight after the game, or those who saw it, uh, the first person Danny Hay was uh, heading towards was Vowd. I think it's uh, pronounced Michael Vowd. He is uh, resilient, to say the least, because it was nothing short of a horror game for him uh, in the uh, previous game where he conceded three, and all of them he will look back on and say he could have saved any one of them at any other at any other time. So he had what's known as a shocker, um, but he stood between the sticks and stood strong. He had three chances that he had to turn around the post. He did them all uh, with uh, with great sort of uh, skill, if you like. Um, so Vout, he did have a redemption moment last night. And as I said, Danny Hay, the first to get across to him uh, and uh, give him the, uh, the hug of the century. Very happy was uh, Danny Hay and Michael Vout. He seems like a great bloke, Danny Hay, doesn't he? He seems like a guy you'd love to play for. What what do they have to do to play for him better moving forward? You made the point that Japan, the host nation, is, won't be an easy challenge, will it? So where do they have to lift on the park, David? 
Well, I think they've got to still be this sort of defensively sound side, and they're missing Winston Reid, so that's a challenge for them. I thought uh, Gianni Stensness did well in there um, in a makeshift centre-half role, if you like. Um, they play a Japanese side that went out and beat uh, South Africa, Mexico and France, so certainly not easy beats. And at home, obviously, this is uh, a huge match for the Japanese. I think to be defensively sound, but to, still to look to play their football, get the ball to feet. Uh, if Chris Wood, as I said, gets a sniff of goal, he's a chance. Um, you know, they're, gonna, they're, they're clearly going to be the underdog, uh, but they seem a happy squad and they seem capable of uh, uh, pushing on again. Thank you so much, David. That's a great uh, analytical summing summary of what happened last night, and we wish them absolutely all the best as they move forward in uncharted waters, uncharted territory, as you pointed out right at the start. The Ollie White Spaz, that's, that's awesome stuff. Football, probably not another natural Olympic sport, but we don't care because those guys are going out there and they're playing their hearts out every time, aren't they? It's coming home, isn't it? <laughs> it's coming home, Louis. <laughs> Look, I think they've they've done really well so far. It'd be awesome if they could get a result against Japan and put themselves in some medal contention. But it's going to be a pretty tough game. But uh, great insights there from from David. So thank you very much. Absolutely, it's McCafe Coffee time for us. Can you ask David why they called the Ollie Whites? Cheers, John. John, I'm going to try and take this one. I think it's because of the Olympics, and then they are usually the All Whites. That'd be my guess anyway. Baz and Izzy for breakfast as we come up to the news with Trudy and Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. On the other side, Scotty Waldrum talking some sevens rugby. It's just after 7am this morning on a Thursday, the 29th of July. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast. We're going to get into a little bit more chats shortly. I just want to pose the question though. The bounce back of Michael Vowd. What about some other bounce back stories? Give us a text. Some of the most memorable bounce back stories, redemption stories out there of some of our athletes around the globe. Let us know and we will discuss some of those. We've got a couple of other texts on here as well. Louis, we've got one from... Who's this one from? It doesn't say his name. Yes, the Olymp... I quite like it though. Yes, they are the Ollie Whites because the Olympics... And they are restricted to under 23 players, apart from the maximum of three overage, three overage players. Note, however, that the general age limit became under 24 for this Olympics because of the year delay. Good point. Very interesting. Makes sense. That's very that's very appropriate, isn't it? Yep. Redemption. It's a year later, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Redemption Island stories. I like that. Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. In a weird way. Is, who's, is anyone going for redemption at this Olympics? There, there must be someone that kind of just flamed out at the last time and didn't quite get there. I know Emma Twig. Well, there you go. She's she's had a couple of bites at the cherry, and she hasn't quite snagged a medal. And she's in the semi-finals later today in the singles, um, and she's gone away. And she's I think she's thought about retiring slash has retired a couple of different times. So there's a bit of redemption there for Emma Twig. Yeah, that's a good one. There's also uh, a couple redemption stories out there as well amongst um, some of our guests which are coming up. One of them is going to be Stephen Fleming. When I say redemption, redemption of me being able to open your guys' minds a little bit to what Stephen Fleming's really like because he's not just a fujitsu man who used to captain New Zealand. He's a good bloke and I'm going to get him to open up a little bit to you uh, hopefully at some stage later on this morning. We've also got... Mark Chittick from Waikato Stud joining us. Jamie Gallagher, who's 
sisters, sisters, Kerry Geller and Jackie Geller are involved in the Olympics. Of course, Kerry is teamed up with Grace Prendergast and they go for gold today at 12.30 in the pairs. And we've got very shortly... And man, can we call him our sevens correspondent now? Because he was on our show yesterday and we just bounced straight back to him today. Such was how good he was. And I'm intrigued to hear the wash up of Scott Waldron's thoughts on yesterday's performance. Of course, Scott was former New Zealand sevens player and coach and represented the All Blacks. Talk to us, Scott, about last night's performance from the All Blacks sevens side. Good morning. We're just we're just waiting. We've we, we've got him there. He's coming. He's coming. He's he's just like any good oh, sevens player. Early, have I? He's doing laps. That's right. Really he's, he's out on the dunes. He's just doing doing some early morning fit, doing some early morning fitness. But I believe he is there. Morning to you, Scott. Good morning, mate. Uh, I don't know about early morning fitness. I'm still recovering from yesterday's rugby game, so I'll be taking it easy today. <laughs> uh, what did you think about last night, mate? Oh... Uh, it's hard, hard to watch. I mean, geez, I mean, Fiji started so well, and uh, nowadays those kickoffs are crucial in position. And and Fiji just had, you know, really an outstanding start, two tries ahead. Um, I thought we did well to start coming back, but yeah, we just um, the Fiji just ended up too good on the day, really, weren't they? Yeah, what? Are, where do you think we kind of lost it? Obviously, the start was huge, and I thought tactically it was it was brilliant from Fiji to attack us and on that ten meter line and, and be able to get the ball back. But outside of that, we, you're right, we got our way back into the contest, but they just kind of overpowered us, didn't they? They did, and you, you saw some. I mean, some. You saw some tackling errors that we sort of hadn't really aren't renowned for making, you know, normally we'll have a bit of physicality against the, the, the Fijian team and, you know, whenever they run, do run it at us, you know, you sort of look forward to getting a bit of a shoulder in there, but um, we, we probably just fell off a few tackles and and now, you know, I, mean, I, was, I was surprised Fiji certainly had an interesting tactic. I was surprised how many times they kicked the ball back to us and gave it to yeah. us. Um, we just we just weren't able to hold on to it enough to to sort of build the phases and and in the end we just um, we just didn't do what we needed to do really. Scott, I can hear in your voice you're a bit gutted, which is fair enough because that, there's a golden chance for a gold medal. But Fiji were superb. The silver though, from from Rio to here, and you've been involved in the process in the middle. It's a it's an awesome effort, and they did play some pretty consistent good rugby sevens through this tournament, didn't they? Oh, they did, and I mean, they, they really went into it unknown. And to be fair, we hadn't played that great, and then when we played Great Britain, you know, we, we were clinical. We, we smashed them, you know. We um we really played well in that game to, in there and got a good score against a team that I thought was really going to push us um, as well. And, you know, so I, I guess I think we probably all got our, our hopes up um, that, that, you know, we could knock over the Fijians. You know, on our day, you know, we can we can beat anyone. Um, and, and the boys should certainly still be proud, you know. We, we didn't even medal in Rio. And, you know, there was the expectation that it was, it was gold all the way where, you know, going into this one, there's a little bit of the unknown. We didn't know quite how well it would go. Um, you know, and still to come away with a silver medal in the Olympic Games is um, is something that you know every other team would have been probably stoked to achieve. So, um, you know, we should be proud of what we've done, and then hopefully it's just you know, bigger and better heading forward.
We were just talking about great redemption stories before you got on the line, Scott. And in a way, this is one. Um, from Rio to here to Silver, it's awesome. And there would have been some some sore feelings out there and, and guys wanting to right those wrongs from Rio. Who in particular impressed you from the squad? Scott Curry is just enormous. What a leader, isn't he? So is there anyone else or that kind of made you think, wow, you know, they're, they're a really great Kiwi? Yeah, I mean, having Tim Mickelson, you look at how long Tim Mickelson's been around and the influence he's had on that team. And, you know, he's been, he's been one of our, our best players for near on a decade. You know, he's, um, he's certainly been awesome. I was really impressed with um, Newstub, who's, you know, sort of just started coming into the team after Rio. And then, obviously, everyone's been affected by not having a lot of sevens. But, you know, for, for most of those those games, you know, he'd probably be the first submit he didn't have his best game in the final, unfortunately. But up until that, you know, he'd he'd been outstanding and leading the team around, and a lot of pressure on a, a guy like that as well because you know New Zealand's been renowned for having multiple playmakers on the field, you know, guys who can really create some space in there, and it, you know, we didn't seem to have that in this group. So, you know, a guy like that to step up um, was pretty impressive, and you know. A few more years down the track, and hopefully we get back to some normality in tournaments. And you know he, he's going to be outstanding. Um, so you know there was a number of really good guys, and and that guy, and I think everyone sort of just stepped up. But I think Mickelson and Curry, are, you know, probably the two that you know probably felt Rio the most and um, have worked the hardest uh, to to make sure they're best prepared for this this year's uh, Olympics as possible. So a silver medal for New Zealand. So they'll be disappointed, but. And then uh, they walk away with with uh, an opportunity they had to, to try and win gold and, and silver is there a lot. But what about the ecstasy and the and the story of Fiji with everything which is going on in their country right now with COVID and the challenges that they're under? That that performance from them was just absolutely immense, wasn't it? It was, and I mean that. that it's fair to say that that Fijian sevens team is the inspiration for the country. You know they've. Um, They've come so far and just and performed so well on the world stage, um, you know, for so long now. And, and any achievement they do is just, you know, really does lift their people. And um, after the game, I was with a group of um, rugby team, a group of old boys, you know, one of the boys in the next Fiji, and, and mate, he was so stoked. You know, it meant so much to to him that they'd won it, and and it'll mean heaps to them, you know, and it'll. We'll give them that little break from everything else that's going on and, and a chance to actually celebrate, you know, Fijian success. And it, it is great for the for the country and, and for their people. It's just a shame it's at our expense. <laughs> it is a shame it's at our expense, but it is you can, at least you can find some room in the heart. It's not like losing, losing to Great Britain or some, you know, big mean country or the States. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a little bit of room to to be stoked there. What can this program do moving forward then, Scott? How do you build on this? So if we look at this like a, a natural progression where it could go, how, how do they come back in four years' time and win gold? Oh, I mean, I think we've we've definitely got the talent within the country. I think um, I think we just need to get back playing sevens. Um, you know, we haven't had a nationals in two years now, um, so we're, we're probably missing out on seeing all the up-and-coming you know, young talent really coming through and and giving it a guy, a guys an opportunity to actually play the sport. So I, I think you know, New Zealand rugby needs to make sure we have a nationals at the end of this year. Um, and then you know the the program certainly improved hugely from where you know when uh, just before I sort of took over for that year, 
the guys were only meeting, um, you know, two weeks before a tournament, and and you know they were doing a lot of stuff by themselves. And because it's such a small group, you know, you got maybe one or two of you in a province. You know, it's pretty hard to to, to train like that. But now being a centralised program, um, you know, they can certainly kick on from that and, and keep improving. It. And I think, you know, if New Zealand rugby really want that gold medal, they need to keep sort of putting the money and, and making it worth these guys' while so they can actually, you know, train properly. But first and foremost, we've, we've got to get back playing sevens and we've got to get the country back playing it. Outstanding. I would tend to agree with that. And um, maybe you, are you, do you still play sevens? You say, told us about your under 85 exploits. Are you still, the sevens is too much running? Was that, the, that was the nuts and bolts of it? Mate, I'm way too, way too old, way too sore, way too slow these days. <laughs> Mate, if they bring out an over, <laughs> over 40 sevens, maybe, you know, <laughs> could be tempted. But no, I, I just played a game of over 35 old boys yesterday. And, mate, I'm sore today. There were some. <laughs> It's some big boys once you get over 35, eh? <laughs> so what, um, you, you said to us yesterday that the scales were, it was just a constant battle to remain under 85 kilos. What did you weigh in it this morning? It would have been a, would have been a delicate 80, weight, 80, 86.2 and probably got, I'd over, overdone on the savouries and the, the hot chips <laughs> after the game, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Is it kind of? Is it like um, your personal redemption story? Is every week making weight? <laughs> yeah, uh, I let myself down every weekend, and so yeah, it is redemption during the week, pretty much. Outstanding. <laughs> That's brilliant, Scott Waldrum. Thank you for your time, mate. We've loved catching up. And um, actually, before we let you go, we should ask. We'd be remiss of us. The women's start today. The the Blackfins, just a, a comment on them because they they are a genuine machine, aren't they? So they'd be hoping to go one better in gold. Absolutely, I think. You know, you know, the, the, the men's, we were, we were hoping they'd do well, and I guess uh, some people did actually unfortunately have a really low expectation on how we were going to go. This women's team, mate, I, I would demand gold from them. They are that um, talented and that good. And, uh, mate, Michaela Blundell, she is going to win us a gold medal by herself. She's an absolute beast. I've seen some of her um, highlights since uh, she's been playing recently after coming back from a bit of injury. And, mate, she's on fire. So I'm expecting big things from this team. These, these girls go well. And their management team's a good group of guys that have that have really, really um, upped that, that program. So, mate, I'd expect them to go one better than us, than Rio, and gold all the way. Outstanding. That's very, very exciting. Scott, have a good day, mate. Thanks for your time. No, no. Cheers, guys. Baz, gold for the girls. That's That's good news, isn't it? That's what you want to hear. He was bullish. Well, it's good news for the girls. It's not great for us though, because we're going to have to start getting them on the books if we're going to keep going back to <laughs> back, back to Scott Waldrum as our correspondent. He is absolute. He's a Jess, isn't he? he speaks so well and so measured, and he's so informative of the New Zealand Seven setup. But demanding gold of the Black Ferns—that's a big statement, isn't it? Let's hope they can live up to it. I'm sure they will. Um, the men will be pleased with their work. They'll be disappointed right now, but in time they'll look back. But if girls could go one better, that would be fabulous for our country. If you come away with a gold, hypothetically, and a silver, it's you'd be pretty thrilled as a program. Um, and you're right. Job Sc- done, for sure. Jo- job done, and if there's room to grow, again, you heard Scott talk about it, we just need to play more sevens. So it sounds like it hasn't been an ideal lead-up. 
I'm, I think I'm extremely proud of the way the, the men's team played. And, and in a way, I'm not even I'm not even grumpy or sad that Fiji won because you've pointed out a couple of times everything the country's going through. It's fantastic stuff. Double eight, double three, redemption stories. There's an awesome there's an awesome few texts loading up, Baz. We're going to get to it after this, though, because I want I want to do this in isolation. 0800 150 811. Give us a call. Please get in touch. Tell us the redemption stories, even if it's a personal one, like Scott Waldrum making weight each week is his redemption story. We love that stuff <laughs> from Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. 22 minutes past seven, double eight, double three, or the Kennards Hire phone line. Please get in touch with us. 0800 150 811. We would love to hear from you this morning. Baz has asked for some correspondence on great redemption stories and I'm sure there's some personal ones of your own that we might be able to dig into and in the sheds Baz but on double eight double three you've you've had some messages yep there's one here Beaver from Hong Kong shocker to World Cup glory yes we we all know that story they made a movie out of it really didn't they well literally we'll leave Beaver to talk about that one on um on drive I'm enjoying Beaver on drive too I've been listening to him good crack he's he's very funny actually and that just that deep sort of voice that beaver possesses sounds brilliant on the radio anyway we'll move right along um here's one from matt from blenheim is it too harsh to say dame val is seeking redemption this time around after missing out on gold at rio just tuned in sorry if it's been mentioned no it hasn't been mentioned matt and thanks for your message is it too harsh to say dame val is seeking redemption um Look, I think the standards that that she sets herself were, is of the of the highest order. So, I guess from her point of view, she wouldn't be thinking about redemption as such. She'd just be thinking, my focus is purely on 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 achieving gold, and that'll be what what drives her. So, it's probably more of a story for us if she was able to achieve it. You can imagine the headline the next day, couldn't you? Dame Val rede- redemption from Rio. Um, Another one here from Jason. Hamish Carter is the ultimate Olympic redemption story. Absolutely bombed in Sydney. Nailed it four years later in Athens. Cheers, Jason. There's a couple of good ones, Louis, for us to be able to think about. There's plenty more, though. I'm sure double eight, double three. give us a, a text and, and we'll read them out for you. Well, there was a, there's definitely a bit of um, just the, the whole All Blacks 2011 story, really, after... France, well, Cardiff, sorry, in 2007, there was a lot of pressure on that all-black side. I've heard them all speak about it, Beaver included, Richie the whole, at home in front of the nation. Um, that was a huge one. The other one, the other one, uh, Bermuda for the America's Cup after what happened in San Fran. That was very much redemption after giving up that massive lead to Oracle and Jimmy Spittle. Yep, yeah, that's true. There was... It's actually quite hard to believe we gave up that lead back in, in, uh, in where was it in San Fran? In San Fran, yep. Yeah. Well, it it all does m- make sense when you, uh, you you hear about the technology. Hey, this is a side note. This is a complete change of topic, Baz. But bear with me. I was doing my digging around for the show this morning. I saw a headline on BBC Sport that I just thought I was desperate to run past you. You, you know Daniel Medvedev, he's the gun Russian tennis player. He's an absolute jet. He's looks like a prey mantis. He's tall, he's lean, and he just hits a bomb. He said that 
this was during his game yesterday, talking to the chair umpire, Carlos Ramos. He asked Medvedev if he was all right. And the second seed said, I'm fine. If I die, will the ITF take responsibility? These, <laughs> This is in terms of the conditions because he said it was very hot and he was struggling to breathe. So he said he wanted to know who was going to take responsibility for his death on the court. Is that a bit full on or is that play on? Mate, that's way too full on. Like, seriously, he's laying that at the feet of <laughs> of the umpire? Like, you've got to be kidding me. He's sort of, he's over-egged to put in there, I reckon, Louis. Look, I think when it comes to the conditions, there's no, the pollution's not a problem there. You're just talking genuine heat, right? I guess as a as an athlete, and he's, Medvedev is one of, he's a, he is a supreme athlete. He would have been able to prepare himself accordingly for that. You know, he would have been able to hydrate, make sure he had lots of electrolytes on. He would have had a good pre-match um, system in place and then post-match too. So, look, I think heat is one of those things. Obviously, extreme heat is something. But, I mean, what was the temperature there yesterday? It wasn't, we're not talking 50 degrees, are we? We're, we're talking hot, hot, uncomfortable. But see, I used, to, I used to enjoy those kind of temperatures. You go to India or, or Bangladesh or Sri Lanka, to me, they were the, they were the real opportunities that if you if you were able to uh, take the opposition to to the um, you know the the real difficult stage where it is hot and you're asking questions of them, that's when you're able to really profit um, from your own kind of stamina point of view. So I don't know. I think he's gone a bit hard here, isn't he? And it's not like the umpires. He's not trying to kill him here. He's just asking him to play tennis. So I think he's gone a bit too hard, is my personal opinion. But feel free to. Tell us otherwise, double eight, double three, if you think that maybe they should have called it off. Maybe maybe it is too hot to be playing sport over there at the moment. Do you think that he's planting the seed for failure? That's what I'm taking out of it, yeah. Well, I mean, that surely his mindset is, should be based on pushing forward, not trying to come up with excuses. Um, to me, it looks like a bit of an excuse, but I don't know. Daniel Medvedev, myself, so I don't know. And I, I well, he's, not, he's not part of the Meta Meta Mafia, is that what you're telling me? Well, no, I haven't followed his career extensively, so I don't know if this is a, a consistent theme about how he plays. You know, like, you think of Nick Kyrgios, I don't know him either, but you think of Nick Kyrgios, and, and he's got a, a style of play, that, which is quite abrasive and argumentative, and, and he can sometimes throw his toys, but that's kind of him. Um, so I don't know whether this from Medvedev is, is one out of the box or and maybe the pressure is, is telling on him, or this is him just reverting to type and he, he likes to use a few excuses along the way. It is funny how different sport breeds different acceptable behaviours, and there is a little bit of petulance that kind of comes to the fore in tennis, isn't there? Um, not saying that all tennis players can be like this, but definitely it is a bit more accepted to, to you know, the drama and the I mean, Novak Djokovic wins, he does that. He gives he gives it those ones, whatever those ones are from the chest, you know, and they, they drop to the ground. They, they do love the drama, which is fair enough. And look, to be perfectly honest, I tell you what, the rowing and the, the sailing, they look like the, the grass sports at the moment because you're getting the water and it is hot and you see how hard they're working and straight away their feet are into the pool. So um, they're probably there could be something to be being on the sweltering court. Anyway, we can get into more of that 
some texts coming through on me, but if me, but if a nutcase. Thank you, Jono, at 7.30. We might dig into a bit more of this and get your opinions on double eight, double three. But right now, it is Trudy with the news and Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Thank you, Trudy. Sorry, false couple false starts there. 28 minutes away from 8 o'clock on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. And Baz, a bit of sports news right up your alley. Latvia, you're three-on-three champions. Are you moving to Latvia? You're taking the kids and the horses and you're moving to Latvia to get involved. Well, only if they're going to start the um, the privatisation of the Latvian 3x3 uh, competition <laughs> and, and we can start to form a... A franchise model, which um, I'd love to clearly own and run one of those teams. Apologies for my tardiness after that little news break as well, because one of our uh, guests who's coming up a little bit later on, Mark Chittick, who is the principal at Waikato Stud, just dropped me off a coffee and wrote on the top of it, Mick Cafe. So good on him. He, he gets, he, he's got the memo, isn't he? He's got the script. That... So I was just a little focused on that. So my bad, everyone. <laughs> it's outstanding. We do love our cafe coffee here. So cheers to you, Mark Chittick. Uh, there are some lovely texts coming through on Medvedev. Well, calling him a nutcase isn't the lovely one, but there's a little bit of information here. Medvedev, real temp was 37 degrees. Players requested matches to be played in the evenings when it was cooler, and it was rejected. So obviously some protest from the players Look, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm just saying thinking you're going to tell that asking who's going to be responsible for your death might be just a bridge too far. Yeah, I think it's it's just a, it's a touch dramatic. What about some of the other sports where they've got to go out there and just run constantly for hours on end, you know? Like, or even that triathlon. I know you get a little bit of a break when you jump in the water, but gee, you know, like there's some other sports out there who are probably a little a little more demanding in those temperatures than than tennis and yeah i think he's definitely gone off a little a little strong but that's just my view on that one louis yeah well you don't get hayden wild asking what the nzoc nzoc is going to do if he can't finish his triathlon yeah that's just not the kiwi way there's some good sport today in the olympics though bears at 10 30 a.m the golf the individual men's golf so foxy ryan fox is underway um, there's the the shooting trap. Natalie Rooney, of course, the silver medalist from last time around in Rio, is having a go. So the finals are at 5:30 p.m. If she gets past qualification, uh, day two of that it is at 12 o'clock. The Coxless pair. Well, this team are they are studs, really, aren't they? Gal Galler and. Prendergast, they are a genuine gold medal chance and you know they're going to go out very short price favourites in that and we get underway in the women's sevens at 2.30pm you heard Scott Waldrum put the pressure on, they really should be winning so there's a lot of good sport and one we will all be watching or I know Baz and me will be is the doubles tennis, the semi-finals a very civil hour at 6pm tonight so that'll be great viewing for the family and for everyone we're going to get in behind these lads aren't we Baz? Yeah, we sure are, and that's that's the beauty of being sporting fans, isn't it? You get to really invest in uh, in all of these superstars that are out there doing their thing on the big stage for us. So, yeah, I'm, I've actually loved watching the Olympics, Louis. I sort of before the Olympics started, I was like, ah, oh, you know, should it be going on? Should this happen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now that it's going, I'm sort of I'm finding myself just constantly flicking between the various Olympic channels and watching. Just searching for any Kiwi who's 
involved in any sport, which is pretty cool. And these guys, majority of them are amateurs as well. This is their biggest thing that they train for. They don't. A lot of them don't earn earn money off um, off the thing that they dedicate their time and efforts to. So the, the least we can do is support them. I think. Yeah, a lot of them are waiting for that big break, the big the big three x three franchise competition to start up, <laughs> and then you know for their real payday. A lovely text here. 0800 on the Kennards Hire phone line. Please get in touch with us. There's a lovely text here. The Kiwis tennis doubles had no issue. This could be our greatest medal these games if they win today. Well, it would certainly be up there, wouldn't it? So thank you for coming through on that, on the text machine, double eight, double three. We're going to be back talking more Olympics. How would it, what would it feel like to have a family member competing in these COVID games? We're going to find out very shortly when we catch up with Jamie Gower. 19 minutes away from 8 o'clock, but at 12.30pm today, we will all be watching our Golden Girls as they attempt and they row for gold in the Coxless Pier final. Baz, I know you'll be watching. Yeah, I'll be watching. I guess uh, the COVID games, as they were turned at the start, kind of been used less and less as the sports kind of rolled on and the medals have been dished out. The reality of no family and also having to wear face masks all, all the time is still very much a thing for our Kiwi athletes. And you mentioned, Louis, that later on today at 12.30, both Grace Prendergast and Kerry Gala will start the favourites for the gold when they row on the Coxless Pier final. Well, New Zealand being New Zealand, I was down the pub yesterday, and I've been down the pub a couple of times in the last few weeks, and I've run into this person, and it is Kerry Gala's sister, Jamie, who's on the line. One time I saw her, she was dancing on the tables. Well, last night... Yesterday afternoon, she was watching her sister um, do her thing for New Zealand and qualify for the finals. So it's with great pleasure that we welcome Jamie to the show. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning. <laughs> How exciting is it, mate, having uh, having a family member competing at, at, at this level and, and over at the Games? Oh, it's, it's pretty unreal, really. Um, no, very, very excited to have not one but two two sisters over there and um, yeah, rowing's not a sport that you usually would have ever um, ever watched but obviously having the girls there and it's, it's pretty cool to have a have such a close interest and um, yeah, just can't wait to see them out there today on the water again and yeah. So we've got, we've got the Barrett brothers when it comes to rugby and we've got the Gala sisters when it comes to rowing. So you've got Jackie who's also competing in the women's eight along with Kerry. Yep. So that, I guess that begs the question, did you row at all, Jamie? No, I no, I never rowed, never been in the been in the boat. I think the um rowing machine at the at the gym's hard enough, so no never ventured out, out <laughs> that way. Jamie Baz is kind of throwing you under the bus there in the intro, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like no I know. I um <laughs> <laughs> talking about that yesterday. Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Baz. Was that? I mean, you know, we're not prejudiced. You're allowed to be on tables if you want. But how are you going to... Do you reckon you'll get back on the table if the girls can get it done this Arvo? Oh, I, I would I'd say there'll be a good few celebrations if, um, if they get in the middle. So, yeah, definitely we'll be out there making the most of the Auckland hospitality and... Who knows what will happen? <laughs> oh, fantastic. Watch out. Watch out. <laughs> Auckland town. So, look, all things normal. Would you or any of your family been over in Tokyo supporting, if that was possible? Yeah, 100%. We, um, we're all, all booked 
it was quite a big um, group of us, friends and family, all booked to go, but obviously um, COVID put a big halt to that. So, um, yeah, we're pretty gutted we can't be there, but um, there's a lot of support around the rowing community and um, up here in the New Zealand, um, the cloud. So, yeah, we'll get, get behind them the best way we can. Have you had a good chance to talk to talk to the girls while they've been over there? Um, yeah, bits and bobs. I sort of just just leave them to it a bit, and they and they get in their zone. But um, no, I spoke to um, Kerry last night briefly, and they're they're pretty nervous, obviously going into that race yesterday with the weather conditions. But obviously, as you all saw, they they nailed it. So, um, but yeah, pump for them, pump for them today, and hopefully they just get out there and do what they do and bring it home. In in another sort of strange twist of how small New Zealand is, it just so happens to be that Jamie also is the yearling manager down the road at New Zealand's premier thoroughbred nursery, Waikato Stud, and we have Mark Chittick on a little bit later on. So it's, uh, I guess, from your point of view, Jamie, your sisters have gone into rowing. You've gone into horses. You must love your job. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, the girls actually started out with horses too, funnily enough, but they, um, I don't know if it's a good thing or not, veered off the other, another direction. But um, no, yeah, I love love um, working on Waikato Stud. It's a pretty epic um, team environment and we've obviously got the season coming up. So um, yeah, it's all about to, to crank up again there and yeah, love it. Well, the Gowlers are obviously very high achievers, flying, really. Is he, are you guys from a racing or an equine family or background at all? Are the folks into it, or were they rowers at the games? Where have you come from? Um, no, actually, we, uh, mum and dad are um, sheep and beef farmers out in the, um, at uh, Tikawuri. Um, but, no, we always rode and show jumped as we were kids. Um, that was about the extent of the equestrian side of it. But... Um, the girls got into rowing through school and just sort of came in as a as a sport and they gave it a go and, yeah, here they are. Absolutely. The here they are at the Olympics. It's all pretty surreal, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 just bizarre. They're going to go out pretty short favourites, we would suspect, and they really are in the box. We don't want to put the mockers on them at all, but do you think they're more than capable of getting this done today and they're in the perfect mindset? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've... Um, They've been training for this for the last five years and they've, they've done everything they can. Um, but, yeah, there was a few upsets yesterday um, in the rowing, obviously, with the Australian pair not making the, the semi. So you just you just never, never know. So we'll have everything, everything crossed that they, that they get, over the, get over the line. Well, enjoy it, Jamie. On behalf of Brendan and myself, it's a pretty cool experience to be able to watch a family member at that sort of level. Um, enjoy it, and I guess the, the the warning is watch out Auckland Town if uh, Grace and Kerry can get up. <laughs> <laughs> watch out any tables in this Auckland CBD area. Outstanding. Baz, there you go. You've done some work. You've picked up a guest at the pub. Love that. Yeah, how good. And Quint quintessential Kiwi as well, eh? Sheep and beef farming background. You've got the rowing uh, strength in there through Jamie's sisters, um, Kerry and Jackie, and obviously Jamie heavily involved in the thoroughbred game as well. So thank you very much, Jamie. And we wish the girls all the very best this afternoon. Let's hope they can bring home the gold for all of us. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast. And we've had some good chats so far today. We've got another couple to come.
Louis? Absolutely we do, Baz. We're not done yet. Stephen Fleming. Oh, I can't wait for this. You're old, mate. I'm going to sit back and relax. It'll be like listening to a podcast in the SENZ app, but you're doing it live on SENZ, Baz and Izzy for breakfast. But after this, 0800 150 We're going to go in the sheds. We're going to your favourite cricket pavilion. We're going back into the back rooms. We're going in the sheds to find out what Baz was up to during his playing careers. Any question? Any questions you've got from for Baz about his career, what was going on when he was at the top? Send them through double eight double three, and we'll get to them after this. In the sheds with Baz and Izzy. Six minutes away from eight on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. We're thinking of you, Izzy, still, our bro. Uh, spending some time with his whanau this week after the passing of his mum. So he'll be back next week and we'll touch base with him. But the texts, double eight, double three, that is the number. And you can come and, and ask Baz anything. That's the beauty of this show. We've got access to one of our greats. And Baz, you love answering all sorts of questions, don't you? Oh, the trickier, the better, Louis, clearly. <laughs> There's one here, there's one here which is not that hard to answer. Do you want me to start now, or do you want to? No, you, you can go roll for it. Roll into it. Rip in. Okay. Rip in. So this is my lack of broadcasting ability, right, Baz? Who's the worst on-field sledger you come across? Well, that's pretty simple. Um, Matthew Wade, terrible. Just one of those guys. See, like, I'm sure he's good fun to play with, but you play against him, and it's just like, mate, serious? Like, is that? <laughs> Is that the extent of your banter? Like what? Like what? Is that what we're dealing with? Oh no, nothing. It's full of sledges. Uh, full of swear words too. So I wouldn't want to. Is it like bordering on? It's not comment. funny or not witty. It's just like bordering on just awful chat. No, there's zero wit. There's zero humour. It's just uh, we, you know, like shanter. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just, I do. You hear me? What a great word. Right. Um. Here's a here's one. This is a great one. Please put your name here. Put your put your name here because this is a good question. Baz, I want to know what kind of songs you listen to before a game where you would go out and hit for the fences from ball one. What music got you in that mindset, if any? Great question. Yeah, I wasn't really a massive music um, fella. Like I've got no rhythm, no beat. I think I'm tone deaf. But other than that, I quite enjoy listening to like a bit of Pearl Jam, a bit of Nirvana. Um, I, I kind of left the music up to, to the likes of Trent Bolt. You know, he's very musical and he just knows how to get the right the right tunes running for, for the team. But it's not so... In cricket, it's not the same. Uh, playing rugby and playing a little bit of club footy now, you sort of go along to the um, into the change room and, and the, there's music pumping, you know, to try and get the guys up and about. It's not really like that in cricket. You know, your music sort of is just more of a chilled vibe and, and then after the games, guys kind of roll into a few different tunes as well but so not not huge but thank you for your question are we this is a question for me are we, are we in chance are we a chance of overusing bittersweet symphony just um, every cricket game well, well look I, I guess you and i are quite different when it comes to music because i mean when you came to my house and you got you and shannon spent the weekend in my house so you changed the the, the chilled kind of Foo Fighters, kind of 660, sort of the feelers kind of tunes, which were just cranking in the background to something I've never, <laughs> ever heard in my life and had zero words. So 
So I, I, if you think that we're going to overuse <laughs> the Sweet Symphony, then that's up to you. I'm trying to open your mind, Baz. <laughs> oh, let me help, help, help me help you. <laughs> um, what, what about this? Uh, should we have cricket at the Olympics? That's a, that's not really about your playing days, but that's just a pretty easy one. Cricket at the Olympics, yay or nay? Uh, well, yay. Why not? You know, I think T10 would be awesome at the Olympics. I don't think you want T20. I think that's even too long. I think T10 could work at the Olympics. Yep. You tell you tell us whether we can talk about this one. What? Because it's a bit cryptic. What was the hour of power at the Rat every Sunday detrimental to your playing fitness? <laughs> turns. Uh, is that Glenn Turner or is that, <laughs> as if it is? Then it. If it is, then it's um, it's it's a bit more of a a, a crack. If it's not, <laughs> if it's just turns who likes to drink at the rat, then it's it's probably you know, it's probably a positive message. Um, the air. So the rat. The rat is a bar in Christchurch called the Rose and Thistle, and it's like an old Irish bar, and it's TAB bar. You've probably been there actually. Little. Yep, yep, another one. Um, and they serve really good Guinness. And and I used to, when the previous owners were in charge. I had a seat outside. They put like a little 302 seat there, and um, and I'd go there most most days and have a couple of Guinness in the afternoon and watch a few races and have a couple of punts. Um, I don't know. I didn't think it was detrimental, but maybe it was. There you go. That's that's great. There's one last text. Did Baz ever play against Don Bradman? Well, considering the great man passed away in 2001 at a very tender age, I would suggest not. That's Baz's for breakfast. That's this hour done. Next, we're starting off with fellow New Zealand cricket captain Stephen Fleming. Until then, it's Trudy with the news. Thanks to Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Kia ora, all of Aotearoa. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. We are by Kiwis and we are for Kiwis. It is just after 8am on Thursday, the 29th of July. It's been a privilege the last couple of hours spending with you all and we look forward to another hour where we can bring you some more informative chat around sport the olympics and everything that's going on around the world and we're also going to speak to a couple of my good mates who happen to have done all right on the sporting world as well and in business so look forward to chatting to them stephen fleming and mark chittick so that will be good fun we've spoken to a lot of really cool guests today as well we've had some great Chats from you guys as well on the text. We just would like to hear on the call if we can too. 0800 150 811. Or just keep your text flying in on double eight double three. Louis, the text machine is absolutely blowing up. Oh, yeah. It's going huge. I've just taken a photo of all of the texts for In The Sheds. So we can't get through them all today, but we will. So you just have to keep coming back to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Um, speaking of redemptions, though, going back to last hour, what about the Black Caps? Two years ago, crapped the bed in Australia, then they went to a World Test Championship and win. Adam, very good point. Morning, lads. Can't wait to watch David Litty in the weightlifting, enjoying pretty much everything on the Olympics. Not sold on the 3x3 basketball. Sorry, Baz. Willie, not Will from Pegasus. Right. That's that's tough on 3x3. <laughs> Yeah, it'll come around. Hey, it's not for everyone just yet, but it takes time sometimes to grow these these kind of franchise models, Louis. You can't just thrust them upon them and just expect it to hit home. Take time. Yep. We'll work into it. There's another couple here as well. Can I read can I read another one of these? Of course you can. 
Um, where is it? Uh, morning, gents. How does Brennan deal with supporters who give him grief via social media or direct? Cheers, Paul. A little bit weird me talking about that myself. But um, look, oh, actually, the next man who we're going to bring in at some point is um, taught me a very good lesson. He said, read things, understand things, but process them and make sure that when you walk out to bat, you don't take those thoughts and those feelings with you. You're, you need to be able to process it and, and be able to let it wash over you, so to speak. So that's how I used to try and deal with things and, and, and trust in those who were the very closest of friends to me to ensure that they were very direct with the messages that I needed. Well, that's outstanding. And coming up still this hour, we've got Mark Chittick from Waikato Stud, so we'll touch base there and we'll also get some sports news on the half hour. But it is time for one of our McCafe coffee catch-ups now, Baz. We might find a bit more out about that. Yes, my old mate, my old sparring partner, my old captain, he's seen me at my worst. I've, I guess my best was well after he left. He taught me how to eat oysters, he taught me how to drink wine, and he even taught me how to captain some cricket teams. He's a bit of a needle mover when it comes to the Indian rupee throughout New Zealand, and he may well be the answer to Nationals' leadership worries. It is an absolute privilege to bring in my good friend, Stephen Fleming. Good morning, Flemo. Good morning, Bass. You've uh, spent some time on that. Well, not really knowing you as I do. I know that every time you get paid from India, things just simply fall in a heap when it comes to the, the, the currency game and the Indian rupee, such as the size of your contract. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's not fair. The rupee is <laughs> not what it used to be, mate. That's for sure. Now that you're dipping in there as well, there's not enough to go around. But anyway, thanks for the introduction. <laughs> Where are you? Oh, I'm just I just had to drop the kids off. It's just um, it's just another busy day. Just being the family man, Baz. We're driving from out of rural uh, Christchurch into town can be a bit testing. We've got some new motorways, but just running a little bit behind time. So just weaving my way through St Andrew Square, which I think you probably own a couple of properties in at one stage, <laughs> mate. But, yeah. Oh, that was before we. That was before you and I got into that business that that didn't make any money, and you know, I had to start sort of working a little bit harder. But anyway, um. So you live, uh, for, for everyone else out there as well, Flem's also a little bit of the country clueless. He lives down the road from Izzy Dag, and you've got yourself 10 acres as well, haven't you, Flemo? Yeah, well, yeah, I think probably most, your most valuable um, segment so far has indeed been the um, the rural talk. There's been a couple of tips there that have become um, become really quite important. So um, so thank you for that. It, um, Izzy, <laughs> Which ones? <laughs> Izzy has a... a <laughs> Yeah, I can't name any in particular, but I just thought I'd just try and give the, the segment a little bit of a wrap. But uh, no, it's um, it, it is good. It's certainly when you um, have a lifestyle where you're either fully on, which is Indian coaching or projects um, sort of within New Zealand, you, you concentrate on that. But um, with what certainly I'm doing at the moment, you're right off. So a good chance to get out on the land and uh, and make some mistakes, as I'm sure you've alluded to in your segment. Yeah. Well, you've obviously, you've made a very successful coaching career over in, in India, coaching the Chennai Super Kings, who are arguably the top two most successful sides um, in the IPL. So you know a lot about franchise sport. Have you, by chance, had a chance, uh, had an opportunity to have a look at 3x3 basketball in the Olympics? Because I'm quite hot on this topic, Flem. I reckon there's a big chance there to be able to commercialise this game and, uh, and start to franchise that out. And we could be at the forefront of that. What do you think? 
<laughs> well, to start with, it, it's frantic, isn't it? Um, and that was my first thought, trying to, even when you get that little time out after someone's dunked on you or dropped a bucket, you usually get a few seconds to gather your thoughts and then um, and move on. You're straight into it. And that was sort of my first thought, is just how how frantic and how non-stop. And that really sort of sums up society there. But um, the, the skill level's pretty high and the, the action is... Um, is is feral, so uh, it's been good to watch. Tell me as well, we've been, I know you're an avid listener of, of our show, so you'd be well across some of the topics which we've been discussing, one of which was Simone Biles and her withdrawal from the team's event in the gymnastics yesterday based on mental health um, issues or not being in the right frame of mind. I know you well very well, and I know you'll have a, a pretty good opinion on, on this. Where do you sit? Well, it's, a, it's, it's really interesting because you, you can't be too judgmental around it, but there's been a lot of commentary, um, both domestically and internationally, just around um, uh, trying to judge someone's mental health, and it's a dangerous area to get into, but... The, the trend at the moment is to, to really pick apart, I guess, what an athlete is doing and, and, and world-class athletes in particular. Because when you take for granted that world-class athletes at the, at the top of the game are going to have mental health problems, you almost assume that they've got it under control both on and off the field because they're world champions because either they've been more skillful than the rest for some time or uh, they've been able to do it for a long time where they build up the the skills and the tools to deal with everything that comes to them. So it sort of comes as a surprise when you see someone at the top of the game that, that pull out citing mental health issues. And I think that's why it's getting so much attention is that um, people are a little bit um, sceptical when a poor performance goes in, that it's not just a poor performance and that world athletes or the, the, the best in the world have not just had their, their ego dented. So it's a really delicate discussion to have uh, because by no means do you want to play downplay mental health um, and the effects that that can have on, on anybody. And what this is proving is that, that, um, that anybody is susceptible to it, no, how, no matter how successful you've been in your field. So it's a really interesting discussion. Some are calling it bigger than others, but um, I'm a little bit more tempered on it. But um, you would hate to see it used at any stage as an excuse for poor, poor, poor performance. Even Stephen then, eh? Just sitting on the fence. Not, not going to... Not yeah, pretty your cards out in, in pretty any much. particular camp. No, pretty much. I give you that's a, a, a minute wonderful. And a half <laughs> that's why. That's why I, I put in that little intro. I was like, "Could you be the answer to Nationals' leadership worries?" Because you're just such a great politician. How good would that? You, you're a big chance. Maybe that's what National needs as well. You could come in there and just and front front the campaign. What do you reckon? Yeah, who am I talking to? Mark Richardson, Brendan McCallum. Yeah, I did give you a minute of nothing there, but it was um, it's pretty hot topic. <laughs> yeah, well, you you also sent me this. So for everyone out there, so the way this relationship works is I sort of think that I'm in charge a lot of the time, but I then Flem just puts me back in my place constantly. So he sent me through a list when I asked him to come on the show. He sent me through a list of what we're going to talk about, which is kind of the other way around for how things normally work with with radio, but so he sent me through a couple of things we wanted to talk about. One of them was my horse tipping during our managed isolation quarantine period. 
Yeah, I think that's fair because um, going back into two weeks of isolation, I had one go at it um, early on and during that time um, you open up either old vices or create new. So my TAB account got a little bit of a nudge, which um, given your station now is probably a good thing. And uh, and I had very mixed success, but not, not bad, um, but mixed success. And then I looked at the caliber of, uh, of punters that came back in my second uh, shot at MIQ, which was not long ago, including um, Simon Dahl, Kyle Mills, any good self. I looked at that and thought, my word, there's a chance here to really capitalise on, on two weeks and use the most of that horse information and knowledge that you've spent so much money earning. Uh, now's the time. <laughs> And, uh, and unfortunately, the returns were, were, were minimal, weren't they, mate? It's got me questioning what exactly, where your money goes and what exactly you do do on that ranch in Matter Matter, whether it's just for show or whether you do have some real horses. Speaking of ranches, for all those who are unaware, Flem's got a helicopter hangar at his house and his, his suburb is named Flemington, I think. So those in glass houses shall not cast stones. Um, what else... Uh, our private jet home, you wanted to talk about that. I thought that was a bit unfortunate. We, we had 16 hours of, of playing, um, playing euchre on that, on that flight, which was thankfully organised by, um, by our franchises. But that was, that was a pretty good time together. Yeah, it was good. Um, I'm just thinking with the IPL starts back up, are you guys still going back to the IPL, your team, or are you just going to flag it? <laughs> Is that, are you basing that on where we sit on the table? Yeah, pretty much. Just uh, just looking at the table earlier this morning, just trying to work out whether it's worth uh, packing the bags to come back and give it a, a tilt with half the season still to go, or whether you'll just um, cut losses and look to rebuild. But it wasn't, a, in all seriousness, it wasn't a, a sort of a great time. We um, it's been pretty well documented that um, that COVID hit, and then it was touch and go whether we should have been in India anyway. But um, certainly, probably very lucky that we're in a situation where. Um, the people that employ us over there had the uh, well, we had the opportunity to get home. But the plane trip was was good. It was 17 hours, but I think you only featured for 16 hours, Baz. We lost you for an hour. You went uh, you went somewhere looking for the king of spades. Yeah, I think what is it? One in the air is worth three on the ground, or something. Isn't that how? <laughs> isn't that the? Isn't that the old school saying? Yeah, look, um, things were things have been a little problematic for our Kolkata Knight Riders in the early part of the tournament, but I felt like we had you guys just where we wanted to, running off for speed, a handful of horse and just ready to swamp home over the top of you. So it was circumstantial that we weren't able to to continue the momentum that which we felt were were picked up, and those teams who were sitting at the top of the table, like yourself, Stephen. Um, would be feeling very good about themselves as we went on a, a six-month hiatus in between tournaments. But it remains to be seen who comes out victorious in the end. But if it is to go ahead, it's going to be in the UAE in a couple of months' time. So let's just let's just talk about that for a second. So you're you're pretty strong um, on leadership thoughts and the word cohesion. Izzy Dag knows uh, knows Flem very well as well, and he always says. Flem constantly uses the word cohesion. Do you want to just elaborate a little bit on your thoughts around cohesion and leadership? Yeah, it is an important word. I, I stumbled across, um, I listened to an interview with a, a gentleman called Ben Darwin, who was a former uh, Australian prop, 
and he runs a program called Gainline in Australia, and they um, they do a lot of work on cohesion and sport, and that just being basically relationships and sport. And they were using the example at the time of Maya Nonna, who was moving from Wellington or had moved from Wellington to Otago, and they were analysing performance. And they do a lot of work through the UK, in particular with the premier football teams that buy and sell a lot of players and have quite a high turnover of players. And uh, they, they work on an equation, um, well, a, a formula or a bit of algebra where um, they put a, a value on it. And some of the, the things that stumbled out of that I was quite interested in. Um, the, the drop in performance, they believed, um, when, when players change is quite dramatic. And in fact, if you buy a player, say you buy a player in Spain and get him to play in Manchester and he's one of the best in the world, still expect a lag of performance for, for two to three years. And it sort of got me thinking uh, as I moved to Melbourne to um, coach the Melbourne Stars, how that would, would work out in cricket. And the, the effect is not as great, but some of the values from um, playing alongside the same person or batting with the same person, Ross Taylor batting with Kane Williamson or um, some of those good sort of partnerships that have formed, it becomes a, a naturalness, for want of a better word, around um, the chemistry in that relationship. And then that's sort of dug a bit further and started looking at the way teams are performing um, over the last couple of years. There's a real uh, want from coaches and selectors to keep looking for the next talent or to keep looking at players or keep um, trying to keep things fresh. Unfortunately, what I think that erodes a little bit of that that cohesion that goes along with a, a lineup of Carter, um, Conrad Smith, and, and Maya Nonu, which was so dynamic, and you end up getting a different backline every every week, or you get a different batting order every game. And I just don't think that helps the um, the players to relax or to be at their best and to start understanding the, the people around them. Because sport is about um, intuition; it's not about rote learning. It's about seeing what's in front of you and playing what's in front of you, which is a a saying of yours, but you play best when you know the person uh, beside you is going to play a certain way or deliver a certain thing. So that can give you a, an element of confidence. If you're always guessing about what's outside you or what's to come, you become a bit more insular. So I, I'm just really interested in the way that, that professional teams in particular now are getting put together, but in particular the amount of turnover. And just to finish that point off, the two teams that the that had the most cohesion during the, the last Rugby World Cup were um, England and the top was South Africa. So it was interesting that those two teams made the final. Well, that's interesting as well because the New Zealand cricket side now, like the, their selection philosophy is very loyal, isn't it? They, they seem to find a way to ensure that even if you're not at your absolute best, um, you still keep getting picked because then there's that familiarity around um, the, those who know how you play. I guess... Just, um, just your quick thoughts on the Black Caps, mate, and the rise of of, uh, of their success to to where they stand today as World Test champions. Yeah, well, we've been proud for for a number of years, and and it's taken a number of years for them to uh, to, to reach this pinnacle. But the, the development and the performance of these players over a long period of time have given past players an immense amount of pleasure and. Uh, and I'm sure you, who were involved in, and, and have been recognised as being involved in uh, in some of the attitude shifts and some of the early influence on, on these players, uh, should be immensely proud. But uh, I, I look at the skill set, and not just of the 11 that took the field in that, that Test Championship, but the next 11 that, that didn't get the chance to play, and even players below that. We've never had more talent. Uh, cricket talent at the top level in this country, and that is uh, that, that's 
wonderful to see because it means the pathway, whether it's an IPL now, whether it's a bit more financial security or whether it's because of heroes and pathways, uh, we're attracting an athlete now that is incredibly skillful. And there's always been a battle about um, skill versus culture. I think New Zealand teams always have a very strong culture. They have to try and get as much as they can out of each other and uh, and the organisations that they represent. But um, now you've got a balance of an incredibly healthy culture, but unbelievable bunch of talent. And that's not something that New Zealand cricket teams have, have been able to, to do in the past. We've had, um, we've fluttered with it. We've had teams that have, have had moments of it, but never for this long and never this consistent. Now, um, a lot of credit has to go to the, the selection and the high performance, Brian Stronach, and the pathways that New Zealand cricket have created because um, I, I could never be more bolshy and more proud and uh, more excited about what this team could maybe achieve going forward over the next few years. I don't think it's going to be a blip. The challenge is to, to keep replicating this type of form, but once the bar's lifted, it's, um, it, it just sets it for the next, next group, and my understanding is that next group has a lot of talent as well, so hopefully good days ahead and not just uh, uh, another um, good couple of years, but maybe a, a good de- decade, could I say, of um, success for New Zealand cricket. That's brilliant, mate. We could talk about this all day, every day, and especially with a, a glass of wine or, or a beer in hand, and we'll, we'll continue this chat at some point, but really appreciate you coming on, Baz and Izzy, mate. Next time we'll make sure Izzy's here as well, because I know he'll have a 1,000 questions uh mainly around golf and, and things like that but really appreciate it, mate have a great day and uh i'm going to see if louis learnt anything off you <laughs> <laughs> good on you mate see you boys see you, right. see you brother oh wow bears well i'm gonna to have to go back and listen to that on double speed i think later on as a podcast to soak that all in what infinite wisdom hey i'll tell you he's he's up there isn't he he's he's, he's an absolute jet and for all those that were listening, that was uh, Stephen Fleming, the former Black Caps captain and um, absolute champion as well, and one of my good mates. So it was great to be able to hear him talk and have a bit of light-hearted stuff. He's, there's more to him than just the man that we've that was having to be stoic as captain. He's a a good man, and as you say, full of wisdom. And maybe, just maybe, a future in politics awaits. Well, an awesome edition of a McCafe coffee catch-up. Try the delicious new McCafe coffee blend today. We're catching up with Paul Moate from the TAB after this. It's Baznessy for breakfast for Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. 28 minutes past eight and time for a TAB Live update. Bet live on your favourite sports with the TAB app today. Paul Moate is on the line and we've got the golf starting at the Olympics today, Paul. Yeah, that's right. The uh, men's tournament starts in around two hours' time. We've got a golf birdie bonus promotion on that tournament. Place a pre-tournament $10 or more outright winner bet and get a $1 bonus bet for every birdie your player scores if they finish in the top 20. Now, there are only 60 in the field here, so you only have to pick uh, a player who's going to finish in the top third of that field uh, and you'll get a... Uh, a bonus bet, a dollar bonus bet for every booty they score. At the top of the market, Colin Morikawa is the favourite. He's been very well backed at $8. Uh, the local hope, Hideki Matsuyama, uh, also very well backed. He's just come into, uh, he's into $12 now. And of course, uh, Kiwi Hopes lie with Ryan Fox. He's out at $101, but he is the third best back player in that market to win the gold medal in Tokyo. 
Thank you, Paul. Promotions in play and hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. For a $50 bonus bet today, it's easy. Who wins the golf at the Olympics? Double eight, double three with your name and your TAB account number. Baz, Stephen Fleming. That was very, very impressive. Hearing him talk about leadership and cohesion, that was fascinating. Yeah, it was, mate. What we should have done as well is we should have got Paul Moati at the TAB to open a book on what odds they have for uh, for Stephen Fleming as the next National Party leader. That's what we should have done. <laughs> what about that, people out there? Let us know what you think. Stephen Fleming for the next National Party leader, double eight, double three, or 0800 150 Would you vote for him? 0800 150 on the Kinatai phone line. Get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. Now it's new time for Trudy in the News with Kubota, shaping and building New Zealand together. Thank you, Trudy. At 27 minutes away from 9am, which is when Ian Smith comes in to set the record straight. We'll sleep on it with Smithy before then, but it's another huge day of Olympics today, and we are going for gold. It was so cool to catch up with Kerry Gowler's sister, Jamie, who you found at the pub, Baz, and I think she's pretty excited for what's going to happen later this afternoon. Yeah, that's right. She was excited. And what a quintessential New Zealand family. Sheep and, uh, sheep and beef farmers and rowing and thoroughbred interests. Uh, it was really cool catching up with her. And you could hear the excitement in her voice. And just shows all the people that um, who are over in Tokyo competing and just how big that support network is and, and how much support is in, in behind all of the people having a tilt at medals for our country as well. There's some great... Some great tweets, uh, great texts coming through here on the on the uh, on the text machine after that provocative question around Stephen Fleming and his potentially being the next national party. Look at this one: Flem versus Collins. What a fight! <laughs> I would 100% vote for Flem for PM. Let's start a peti- petition. Matt from Wellington. Uh, where is it? There's plenty going on here. Um, I don't blame them because... Well, hi, guys. Flem, Flem for PM for sure. Cheers, Jason. <laughs> Flem for PM. It does cool. ring, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a slogan. Uh, I, um, I want to work out how we can get him back each week. I've got a, I reckon the name of it should be Flem's Day because he's just so dominant. Like He comes in and it's just his own day, his own slot, where he just he was very thought-provoking <laughs> around... For me, it was so interesting to hear him talk about cohesion and how if you know what the people around you are going to do, what they're going to do intimately, intimately and how they're going to act, it puts you in the best position to perform and to do your role and to you know reach your potential in that environment. Hadn't thought about it like that. And it's that's the sort of gold that you get, really, when you, you talk to a guy who's travelled the world, he's seen a lot. As you said, he taught you how to eat oysters, so he's very cultured, isn't he? Yeah, he is, and you, you pose a question now. I'm trying to work out how to get him back. I'll, I'll give you the tip. The rupee is how you get him back. <laughs> a good, strong influx of rupee is exactly how he answers, is, is my old mate Flemo. Um, no, nah, his thoughts. Like I've, I've been very, very fortunate to spend a lot of time with Flemo. When I first came in, he was my captain. I always consider him my captain, you know, even though our friendship is... Is very much as mates. There's still a, a real kind of older brother type of mentor um, position in there, and even right throughout my my captaincy career, um, he was the person who I really lent on the most um, for not just 
uh, tactical information, but also um, for that kind of holistic um, sort of cohesion uh, advice as well. So he's a really smart man. And if we could do one thing for the New Zealand sporting public, that is to get him on the line as, as much as we can and, and try and open him up to, uh, to the public because he's got some wonderful wisdom to share. What about the sledge about not coming back to the IPL, though? Bit, bit stiff on Calcutta. <laughs> well, that's only because last year they were they were woeful last year, and so I think I might have been, I might have given him a little bit of stick <laughs> last year. So I guess the the tortoise and the hare scenario, he just he just took it and waited and waited, and now he's now he's having his turn. <laughs> Patience, the master of a skiffer at 23 minutes away from nine. Get in touch with us, 0800 150 on the Kennards higher phone line. Keep keep the text coming through. Also, if you want a $50 bonus bet, courtesy of the TAB, tell us who wins the Olympic golf. It's a 60-man field, as our man Paul Mawate told us. So who wins it? And who, are you wanna, who do you want to back? We'll hook you up to $50 bonus bet to do just that. But after this, we're going to be country clueless all over again. In the the absence of Izzy Dag, we thought we'd track down a real-life horse farmer, Mark Chittick from Waikato Stud, coming up after this. 17 and a half minutes away from 9am, and we're going without Izzy Dag this week. It's Louis here filling in for Izzy as he's with his whanau. Baz is still here. So we've, we've missed this segment, and I thought we'd do a special edition of it today to make up. Country Clueless. Yes, we are. Baz and Izzy are Country Clueless. And in lieu of Izzy, we've gone and tracked down one of the world's best horse farmers. Genuinely, it's Mark Chittick. He's principal of Waikato Studies. Also one of my very, very good mates. He operates New Zealand's leading thoroughbred nursery. Now, he's not a horse farmer. He is a stud master. And he joins us now. It's great to speak to you, mate. Good morning, fellas. How are you? And I think um, it was a lovely introduction. I think I actually sort of probably suit country clueless quite well. Um, but I am, a, <laughs> I am a little bit disappointed that you couldn't give me the introduction that you gave Jamie Geller. <laughs> yeah, well, you weren't around. I think you were holidaying down in, down at the beach house or something while she was up on the tables down at the local. But I'm sure, I'm sure you've already been on that table one time in the past. You're such a... A stock, uh, matter, well, matter, man. You're also not just a great yeah, well, horse farmer or great stud master, but you're also very good at delivering McCafe coffee as well, Mark. Did you like that? Yeah, well, I, they make such a nice coffee, um, McCafe. I just thought it was appropriate that I dropped one in here this morning there, Baz. Outstanding, Thanks, Mark. Bro. And I just it, remember Jamie is definitely an employee of Waikato Stud, so definitely on tables, but in a in a fashionable manner and, and not wearing those lovely huffer puffer vests you guys have going around. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, hey, great to have you on the show for Country Clueless to talk horse farming, well, horse breeding. For for uh, everyone out there that'll be listening and kind of wondering, what does a, a stud actually do? In, in layman's terms, so you guys produce all of our thoroughbred racehorses, really. Well, not you specifically, but studs around New Zealand, and, and you have broodmares. Do you want to just give us the 101 on how it actually all works? Yeah, that's correct, Louis. Like, like, basically, we regard ourselves as, as farmers, like, uh, and, and this environment in New Zealand, um, as we know, it, it, it is the best environment to agriculturally, or let's say farming, whatever you call it, um, grow 
uh, the best product that we possibly can, whether it be milk, whether it be you know sheep, lamb, um, potatoes, and uh, and we, and we certainly think it's the best it's the best environment in the world to uh, to breed and to grow and to rear um, racehorses. So. Yeah, our, our property, we, we run our property on uh, 1,750 acres. I'm a bit old school, so, it's, uh, so I'm on the acres. And um, we breed about 180 of our, of our own mares here, and um, we stand five stallions this season. That, that alters sometimes four, sometimes six or seven, just depending on uh, the availability of the horses. That's probably the, one of the most challenging parts of, of our business is acquiring these um, stallions, uh, mainly their, let's say their, their, their purchase price. Like the last horse that we that we um, put in place at Stud at Waikato Stud is Super Seth, and, and he was a fifteen and a half million Australian um, purchase, um, and that's a hell of a lot of money. It, it, it's a lot of risk, um, but what is very important for us in, at, at Waikato Stud is to be able to stand what we believe is the right horse, and the right horse has to have the turn of foot, the speed, the suit our mares, pedigrees, etc., etc. So, yes, we breed 180 mares. That gives us about 100, and, let's say, 20-odd um, foals a year by the time, you know, some of those mares don't go and foal, etc. Uh, we keep about 20 or 30 to race ourselves, which will be our replacement stock, which are our female, you know, let's say, filly foals that go on to be um, that go on to race in our colours between New Zealand and Australia and come back into our broodmare band. And we sell somewhere between 80 and 100 yearlings uh, a year between New Zealand and Australia. So in a nutshell, um, that's how Waikato Stud um, works. And if I can just quickly add on the end of that before we chat on, it is just so good having you fellas back on the air um, talking sport and racing because we are a sport and racing nation and we um, all do do a very good job of it on both um uh, fields as we see this week with the Olympics and obviously on the on the race courses week in week out between New Zealand and Australia and worldwide with with the horses that we produce. But it's so good to be able to hop in your truck and uh, hear you guys um, talking what we what we love. It's just it's a breath of fresh air to have you back on the air. Thanks, brother. So we're talking to Mark Chittick from Waikato Stud. So August first, horses' birthday. That's coming up. September first, breeding season starts. And just quickly, you're very modest. You didn't even talk about Savabell, who is an absolute freak as a stallion and is the Southern Hemisphere stakes winners this season, stands at the very top with 19. And that's exceeding the likes of the Australian Super Size and Fastnet Rock and I'm Invincible and Snitzel, etc. And he is our very own stallion. He stands here in the Waikato. And we are very, very fortunate to have him. You must be delighted to have a stallion who's done, who's just shaped the breed of horses throughout and the last little generation in, in the thoroughbred game. Yeah, it's incredible, Ben. Like he was the first $10 million stallion. As I say, these purchase prices are uh, astronomical. He was the first $10 million stallion to come to New Zealand, so it was a big punt for us. And when we buy these stallions, we set them up as, as a syndicate. We take the majority of it, and we've got incredible support to be able to acquire these horses throughout the New Zealand um, breeding industry, um, and that was some. Um, he's turning, he's turning 21 this year. Uh, so we bought him as a three-year-old. He stood as a four-year-old. So we're talking 16 odd years ago. Um, and look, he's been through his difficult times. Um, he had a few winners as two-year-olds when his progeny were two. 
Um, and we just we we had incredible confidence in the horse. He won the Cox Plate. Um, he beat all too hard. And Pero he carried six or seven kilos more than them, so he was an incredible racehorse. Um, but his breed indicated that they were going to be more three-year-olds and on. So we set that out. We just you know we bided our time and. Also, was the through that period was the was the last financial sort of crash, so it was really difficult. So for him to climb out of, let's say, uh, not a slow start, that's what we expected. But for him to climb um, right up and and uh, to the to the heights that he has, and he now stands for an outside mare, um, his service fee is a hundred thousand. Um, you know, like is quite incredible. And this season, in particular, as you alluded to, nineteen stakes winners of of thirty stakes races is just quite phenomenal. Um, leading stakes a producer in, in Australasia, once again incredible. Um, and in amongst those stakes winners, there's four individual Group One winners, um, you know, which we're very proud of all of them. But in particular, Amarolina, Moanga, and Probable. You know, they are serious, serious horses um, that were produced off Waikato Stud by Savabil. So that is the opportunities that he that he gives us. And we're incredibly proud. Oh, very well summed up, Mark Chittick, our resident horse farmer. No, Waikato Stud. That's that's a great <laughs> synopsis of that's a great synopsis of how the breeding industry works. And we wish you all the best for the next season. It's a um, very special time. Horses' birthdays coming up rightly, as you pointed out, Baz, at the start of August. So we'll be doing a happy birthday to all of them on Sunday. It's Baz and Izzy for breakfast. We're going to be back with Ian Smith to sleep on it after this. Five minutes away from nine o'clock, five minutes away from Ian Smith. We'll get to him in a second. Has to be Ryan Fox to win the golf. Give him a taste of Kiwi. Jaden, TAB. Thank you, Jaden. No, you're not from the TAB, but we're going to give you the $50 bonus bet courtesy of the TAB. But right now, it's time for Sleep On It. Thanks to Temper. They've got mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases which conform to the exact shape of your body for unrivaled comfort and support. Baz, do you have, do you have a good one for Smithy today? I do. We're running a little bit behind time, so we can't ask Smitty too many things. But I am going to set this temper sleep on it question up slightly. So on the studio, uh, in the uh, on all the podcasts and everything that we have, you can see into the studios of each of us uh, as broadcasters. Now, Ian Smith, the doyen, the voice of sport in New Zealand, in his studio, he has a sheet over the window. <laughs> on that sheet, I'm not sure what it what there is, and then he's got a. a a little bit of art on the wall. And then he's got a bicycle <laughs> in the background with a helmet on it. And it's a very, very interesting picture. So my question, so I, and I'm pretty sure it's not a normal bicycle. I think it's an e-bike. Um, <laughs> my question, my sleep on it question for our voice of sport in the most respectful manner as well, Smitty. But is there a worse studio background anywhere in the world than broadcasting? <laughs> Well, Brendan, good morning to you. Uh, I've enjoyed listening to the last hour of your show when you've been desperate for guests, so you just rung your drinking buddies. That's been fantastic. Chittick and Fleming, how cool is that? Uh, look, here, this is a personally designed studio. Uh, we're, we're waiting for an SENZ backdrop. The mountain bike is not an e-bike. It's an Anton Cooper autograph, and uh, it gets a lot of use. Don't worry about that. The helmet is... Uh, dinged from my many falls up there in the Tainary Reserve. So, look, uh, it's just a, it's a sporting theme. It's a sporting theme, Brendan. You, 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 if people looking in can see at least I'm interested. 
So I don't, I don't know a lot about bicycles, but what I do know is that that bicycle in the background <laughs> is a female bicycle. So that must be Louise's bicycle, <laughs> not yours. <laughs> <laughs> Need to go to a bike shop, mate. They're all designed like that. <laughs> you, I, I don't, I don't get where you're at for this. And to, to, to back up the truck a wee bit, you don't know a lot about bicycles. You don't know a lot about a lot, the muppet. <laughs> Going just like that. That was sleep on it with temper. A mattress like no other. Thank you, Ian. Good morning, um, <laughs> Baz. It's been a wonderful show. Really hit the crescendo. Oh, it's been a wonderful. It has been a wonderful show. And as Smitty said to me about a month ago, be careful what you say because he has three hours after us every single morning. And he is vindictive and he will have the last laugh. So look out for all those listening. But anyway, it's been another awesome day speaking to some great guests and chatting all things Olympics as well. So thank you to everyone that's come on our show. David Choate, Scott Waldrum, Jamie Gowler, Stephen Fleming and Mark Chittick. We have a big afternoon to follow or a big morning and afternoon to follow here on SCNZ we're broadcasting excellence in the form of New Zealand's voice of sport Ian Smith where he was followed by the voice of the people in Mark Stafford and then of course the dulcet tones of the beaver for drive all on SCNZ a massive thanks to our team as well Louis joined me today Karen Jody uh, Karen Trudy and Joe And also a big shout-out to our man Izzy as well. We will see you very soon. We miss you a lot. From all of us here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ, ka kitiano. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.